Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast, your go-to resource for tackling challenges and empowering small business owners to scale successfully. Our mission is to help unlock your business's full potential. My name's Corey Harlock, and I'll be your host. Now, I hear it all the time when I talk to business owners, they always have a key employee. What what would I do if this person left? Or don't touch this person, you know, I can't afford to lose them. They're my heir apparent. But what do we do to plan for the inevitability of our key people leaving? Uh, People don't stay with companies, not very often, forever. And putting a plan in place to develop people beneath them to fill those roles as they become vacant is an incredibly uh, important and often overlooked part of running a business. My name is Corey Harlock. Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast. I'll be your host today. I'm very excited today. We have uh, Nanette Miner with us and we're going to talk about succession planning. Now, Nanette is uh, the creator and principal at The Training Doctor. She's been in business for 32 years. She spent 25 years of that doing custom training for big Fortune 500 companies and others. Uh, She has her doctorate in how adults learn. My words, not hers. Uh, And uh, she believes that succession planning is the missing link when it comes to developing our people and developing our businesses. Uh, She also rides a Harley, which is pretty cool. This is season two, episode 11. Welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, don't forget to hit the like button, the share button, uh, the subscribe button. Uh, if you have any questions, you can drop them in the uh, the uh, comment section and we'll be happy to answer those for you as well as we go. Matt, let's bring on Nanette. Hey, Corey. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Very cool. Do you like my uh, doctorate in how adults learn? You nailed it, actually. Yes. Is that what they called it when you got it? It's a dull learning theory, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, you you specialize in in teaching adults, but also kind of developing and information. And you know, the format of the show is kind of you know what what is it? What mistakes do we make when we do it, and how can we do it better? Mm-hmm. So maybe give for people a lot of times, small business owners in that space. They are <clears throat> um, when I don't think they they understand or or have time to think about what succession planning is so why don't we just start with a bit of a depth how would you define succession planning you're absolutely right and in your intro you said it's very seldom thought about and i would say it's almost never thought about really when you're a small business person you're so busy running the business and you know thinking ahead three steps so that nothing trips you up that you really don't think ahead 20 steps (laughs) but you really do have to think ahead 20 steps for succession planning uh what i Succinct uh, definition is what I've come to realize most people believe succession planning is, is exit planning. I had a conversation last week with a woman who's a coach for small businesses, and she's like, I could refer you all the time. We must have talked for 30 minutes before we got down to the you know final few minutes. And she's like, oh, so you don't do exit planning? I said, no, I do succession planning. I want people to stay in their business. I want the business to stay functioning. And the other thing is that people don't realize that they need more than one person. Usually 
when I meet someone, he goes, I have a succession plan. You know, this is Bill. Bill's been, been me, with me for 30 years. And if anything happened to me, Bill could take over. That's not a succession plan either. That's like a backup plan, right? right. And we don't know what's going to happen to Bill. So you really need numerous people in various phases of developing their leadership competencies and capabilities, because there's the soft side, which everybody hates that word now, but there's also the technical capabilities, the business right. side. Um, you need people in at various age ranges, at various stages in their career, developing to become a future leader at some point. And so it takes decades, at least a decade. And that, I, that's probably the biggest mistake. Well, two big mistakes. One, nobody even thinks about it. And then when they do think about it, 99% of the time I'm saying to them, yeah, you should have started this 10 years ago. It's a little too late now. Yeah. And we all, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you know, small business owners are kind of driving their local communities and their local economies. And they're so yeah. integral, right. And they're, they're pushing so hard to get things done that, um, like you said, they're looking into the future of driving business, driving business, but they're not, you know, looking to how they can backfill all that stuff. And when you say, man, it takes decades or 10 years or years, I can hear almost every small business owner go, I, I don't, I don't have that time or I don't have that capacity or I don't have that energy. And therefore, I, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just let the chips fall where they may and figure it out when it happens. Right. And succession planning is one of these things where it's, um, well, let me ask you this. What, to do it correctly, you know, what is the time investment? What is it? What does that look like? The overall investment to do it really well, I would say 10 years. But within that 10 years, what is like, I, I guess what I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to make it uh, more approachable for a business owner because I think 10 years. Uh, yeah. What happens in those 10 years? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and that's what I'm trying to get across to everybody now, but especially small business people, because they don't have the money. They don't have the capacity to you know, bring in somebody to, to manage this process. My point of view is that if you do this strategically and systematically, like I, 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 my phrase is you have to make this standard operating procedure and then it's not hard. So instead of saying, oh, we have to get these people ready in three years and now we have to throw them into classes and give them experiences and give them special projects. Instead, if you just manage people's careers from the minute they come in the door so that you know at two years or three years, everybody in the company should have communication skills, problem solving skills, basic financial skills. By year five or six, we know we want them to be better decision makers, problem solvers, work collaboratively. By year nine or 10, we want, if you have just a, it's not that hard to, to do, you just have to take the time to do it, right? If you just have a vision for in 10 years, I want everybody in this company to be capable of doing these things. And then you slowly meet it out and you make it standard operating procedure in your organization. Some people aren't going to want to be leaders, right? Some people are. So meanwhile, you've up-leveled the whole capabilities of your organization and those who like to lead others will naturally rise to those leadership positions. And meanwhile, everybody else is still contributing better than they would have been if you had done nothing for those 10 years. So yeah. it's it's a it, it's an easy process if you think about it in advance and you have enough window. Generally most people don't have enough window and so it becomes a scramble and becomes a panic situation and a lot of times they then have to hire somebody from outside because they lost a key leader. So they have to fill that position and then that can cause all sorts of problems as well because they may not mesh with your culture. They may have a different set of goals than you do, even though you interviewed them and they said they did. Then <laughs> they come in the company and they and they turn it upside down, right? And then you have to get rid of them and you have to search again. It's tough to find someone to fit into a culture that you 
developed and built with your vision and your mission, it's easier, in my opinion, to build those people from within. And it's, I think, I think I heard you say, you know, the a succession plan is really having a plan in place of this kind of incremental developments to develop these skills and these people. So, and that's what I, that's what I wanted to kind of demystify for a small business owner because they have so much coming at them and they're thinking one more thing I need to think of it. Right. Right. Um, but if, if you can kind of eat that elephant one chunk at a time and it's, if you put a plan in place and it's over the first couple of years, you want to, um, develop these people and get these certain skills out and have them work under people that can develop them. It's not the business owner sitting there teaching them how to do things. It's putting the right people in place at all levels that can teach and mentor one another all the way through. Right. And so in the work that I do with clients, I have a whole a bag of tricks. It all depends on what's going to be doable in your organization, but we could do something as easy as have everybody in the company read the same book for one year. Like everybody reads one chapter and then we come together and we discuss it. That just up levels everybody's knowledge. And we know everybody's got the same knowledge and, and works through the thought process. Right. Or we can send them out to professional. So I'll give you a, a fabulous tip that nobody knows. Everybody should know, but nobody knows. Generally, your professional association has already tackled all the training needs that you have and just go to them and send your people to their sessions, to their conferences, to their e-learning, to their webinars. It's amazing. Certification programs, almost the number one mission of every professional association is member education. And yet people don't use their professional associations the way they could they don't maximize it. They belong because they want that credential after their name or, you know, to say I am a member of, but they don't actually utilize what the association offers them. So when I work with a client, I always come back to them after I do a two day workshop with them. I come back to them with a development plan for who's in the pipeline right now. And the first place I always look for resources for them is their own professional association. Very cool. So we, I think we, we understand what it is. So now Let's talk about what are the big mistakes, and we've talked, we touched on a few of them, right? But what are yeah. the, um, some of the pitfalls or mistakes that a business owner might make when they're kind of thinking about who's going to step into this next role? You know, we touch, and a lot of times it is, you know, my tenure employee who has all that tribal knowledge in their brain just walked out the door to go work for the competition. What do we do, yeah. right? Yep. That's usually when people call me, they panic. They're like, oh, how do I replace that guy? I'm like, um, <laughs> so some of them, there's a number of mistakes. One is that people don't start to think about it at all. Right. And I get that because I know like buying a new car for me is overwhelming and I will push that off. The, that process. Off. Things are going well, right. You're not thinking about them going wrong. It's yeah. just like, it's like uh, saving your money when, when work's going great, you're spending, everything's great. And then the economy tanks and you're like, Oh, oh right. So you're not thinking about that. Yeah. So most people just don't even think about it until they're thinking about retirement. And okay. often that's like, it's too late. Um, most people don't, most business owners don't realize that even if they didn't want their legacy to continue, even if they didn't want to replace themselves, if they wanted to sell, which is a very reasonable exit strategy, you still have to have a functioning leadership team because the company who's buying you is 
almost never bringing in their own leaders. They're buying a functioning company to add right. to their portfolio or expand their regional reach. And so you still have to have a succession plan. And so that's what makes a lot of small businesses undesirable for purchase, because if they were to walk away from the business, there's actually no business because person's keeping it all in their head. Yeah. The, the Another mistake is that they don't give a lot um, timeline. They don't have enough runway. A third, I think one of the four mistakes is that they don't go deep enough. So most folks will say, like I said earlier, I've got one, I've got one person in my pipeline. That's not a pipeline. That's a person. You want at least three in your pipeline. And generally I like to have three at every generational cohort. So if you're a boomer, you want three Gen X people who might step up. You want three millennials who are in the process of being groomed. And you want three Gen Zs, which people are like, Gen Z, they're like 25. Why would I even... <laughs> Think about well, them being a leader. Uh, let me just break that down. So if, if and just I'm a visual person. So if we're looking at a department, so say we were looking at a sales department and you have a maybe your VP of sales is a boomer. Then you have kind of your trickle down. Right. So maybe you, you have two or three people that are your managers and then maybe they have some some reps underneath them. And then maybe we have some admin inside sales people underneath them. Is that kind of how you're. As yes. you're talking, that's what I'm seeing. I just want to make sure we're uh, painting the right picture here. Yes, because generally what people say is your VP of sales has three managers underneath him or her. And so eventually one of those people might replace that VP. And they don't think beyond that. Well, who's going to replace that manager? Right. And what if one of those managers decides to leave? Now you're down to two. So the, each of those managers has to have three people that they're grooming to replace them. And each one of those people who are being groomed should be mentoring somebody younger so that... They're, they're starting that process. And again, if it's standard operating procedure, if we say at the start of someone's career, this is the milestones we expect for you educationally, we're going to provide it for you, right. but we expect that you'll achieve these things over the course of these years. And at certain year, not only are you a learner, but you turn around, you become a mentor as part of your job or a coach. You sure. must you yeah. know, bring two or three people up behind you. If it's just standard operating procedure, people don't question it. It's when you try and ask them to change their behavior at age 40 because now you've, you've promoted them that it's hard, it's hard to get people to change behavior. So why don't you just teach them the behavior you wanted to begin with? Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. And that uh, that's when you get into maybe your, um, your black box filters where people are protecting their role now because, well, I don't, I want to give away everything I know because if I teach this person it, then where's, what's the val what value do I bring to the company? which is a horrible employee to have in a key position anyway. But if you end up with that position, that if somehow a person with that mindset gets elevated into leadership, you've really um, made it difficult on yourself because you've, there's no way you're going to create that education flow right. without it being disrupted or sabotaged or whatever it is. But again, if it's standard operating procedure, this is how we operate. Right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And you were trained at 23 by 43, you you would not behave like that because that's not how this company behaves. Or you would have left because you felt like, oh, <laughs> I'm a power monger. Sorry if I offend anybody with that, but you know, I don't have enough power here. All depends yeah. on you know how you want to run your company. Is that almost like the um train your replacement type model at every level, right? So it's kind of like if you're mentoring someone to take your spot, so then when you move up, they can take it. And then yeah. But I want you to, but I want you to train three replacements just to be safe. Right. Yeah. Okay. I understand. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a funny story? And it's not funny. It's tragic. But I was working with a client this summer. There was nine senior leader people in the room and we were trying to figure out who was in each of their downlines. So I had them do an exercise where they 
listed three people who might replace them. And then I collected all their papers. Three of the people in the room, three of nine, named another guy in the room as their replacement. So awesome. He's got a lot of skills and he's got a lot of respect in the company, but he cannot replace three people. <laughs> oh, so three people named the same person. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, that would be and he had no one on his list. So I said to them, you can't let him go. He can't move up and you can't lose him. You have to replicate him. That's your first job. You have to make eight more of him somehow. Because yeah. <laughs> oh. apparently he's got all the skills you need. And three of you could use those skills if you decide to retire. So we have to replicate this guy before we can move. Yeah, it's a big, big problem, right? When you have one person who has that much value. And when you have a small company. That's what happens when you have a small company. And that's why I decided to start working with small and medium-sized companies, even though my client base had been Fortune 500 for decades. But I realized small and medium-sized companies don't have the wherewithal to act on this and to think it through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I And I mean, I, I feel for them because like you said before, these these business owners are just going 100 miles an hour uh, to 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 do right by themselves and to their employees and all that good stuff, right? They 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 have a lot um, a lot of pressure on them to make sure people are getting paychecks to put food on their table. And uh, these are kind of what this what this podcast has been. I I hope has been good for them is to kind of tweak these ideas in the back of their brain and say, hey, just some new things to think about. Because running business hard, man, it's it takes a lot of work, and and you know, <laughs> yeah. And if I started a, a company because I, I I'm a, a technology geek, like right. it it doesn't mean I love succession planning. It doesn't mean I love talent acquisition. It doesn't mean I love doing payroll. It means I love technology, right. and that's what most small business people do. Is they start a business <laughs> field that they that they love. Passion project, right? Yeah. And. So then they get all this other stuff right. that kind of comes with it. And they're like, huh, I just, I just want to do this. Right. And so um, hopefully they can build the team around them. And that's kind of where you come in and I come in with them is kind of help. So give them the supporting cast to achieve whatever that goal is they have. Um, and if, if, if they have a good business, you know, the initial stages, they just kind of, they get so successful, the business outgrows the ability of all the people that they had helped them start it, which is the biggest ironic right. thing in starting a business. Like, hey, everyone, thank you for getting me here. You guys are amazing. But I don't know if we have the skills in this room to move the to get us to the next step. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So when I work with clients, the first thing I have them do is reassess their vision, mission, and goals. Because if they want to be in business five years or 10 years, that's probably a different skill set that's not in this room. And if we have to hire people in from the outside, or even if we want to start bringing people up from within, we have to know what we're aiming for. So we start there. Yeah, it's crazy. I always liken uh, businesses to like uh, uh, building a house. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the guys that come in and lay the foundation and do the framing. And then when they're done, you have the kind of guys that come in and do the plumbing and the electrical, hang the drywall. And then you have the guys that come in and do the finishing, like the trim work and all that. Well, the guys who do finishing don't like to do framing and foundation. And the guys who do plumbing don't like to do either of that either. Right. <clears throat> and so they all have a very unique skill set and they all take that house from a, a, a different level of completion. Yeah. Right. And, but it takes a different skill set. And yeah. so I think that's, um, a lot of people don't, they think that the people that help them get started 
are often the people that are going to take them to the moon. Um, and sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not, right? And understanding what that is. Anyway. Yeah, there's um, nice events and changing priorities. There's all sorts of things that throw a monkey wrench in that. So Yeah. Okay. So let's, we've talked about some of the pitfalls. So let's give them some advice now. Other than calling Uninet, uh, what could someone out there do to kind of start this succession planning process? Just get the ball rolling and feel like, okay, I, I have something in place. Um, so two things. One, it has to do with HR data. I want you to know where you're starting from. And one of the things that I've realized from the work that I've been doing in the last few years, is I've seen a pattern of churn at around year five. Okay. And the things that I've read about Gen Z as well, they intend to stay on their first job if it all goes well. They don't want a job hop like the previous generation did. So they want to stay from three to five years as well. So the first data point I want you to gather is how many boomers do I have in my organization right now? And what's the chance of them retiring in the next three years? Because those could be gaping holes that you have to fill in an emergency, right? And secondly, if you want to build people from within, which is what I want you to do, do you have a problem with attraction and retention? Are you churning constantly at the beginning of the process, whatever it is, so that I, I can't get anybody in your pipeline. You can't get anybody in your pipeline because every five years we're bringing in new people and getting them up to speed. And then five years, new people can work and we can't ever get over that hump. So okay. two pieces of data I want you to know is what, what's your chance of being in a crisis in the next three years? And then do you have a different problem before you have a succession problem? Do you have a retention or an attraction problem? Hey, it's Corey. And if you like what you're hearing, give this episode a thumbs up and subscribe or follow to get reminders of new episodes of the Key Hire Small Business Podcast. Um, the next thing I would like for you to do is ask all your senior leaders or whoever you, know, you consider to be a, a key person to make a list of three people that might replace them. And if they don't have three people, which they probably don't, um, then what are, the, what are the job requirements? Because probably they're doing everything intrinsically now and you don't even know what they're doing. Correct. Yeah. So if you had to replace them, what would you look for? You don't know. <laughs> so yes. ask them to make a new yeah, look at their job description, rewrite it. That's one of the activities I do with my clients. Bring your job description. Let's rewrite it. You know, half the time they're like, geez, this is like a third of what I do that's written here on this paper. And then I do all this other stuff. So what is it? What's that whole job entail? So that if we had to replace you, or again, we wanted to bring somebody up from within, what are we aiming for? We don't even know what we have to fulfill. I want to ask you a question. You talked about a five-year, you know, people leaving after five years. In your experience, what is a realistic expectation of keeping someone in a business before they kind of turn over and go somewhere new? So I'm going to answer that with a different <laughs> with a with a different side of the coin. I think you can keep anybody in your business, unless in a, a life event or a priority change happens, but we don't put enough, companies don't put enough emphasis on telling people where their career could go. And they say, you know, that people leave managers. I don't believe that's true. I believe people get bored and they don't think their career is growing. And so they leave to be stimulated again. They leave because they want to learn something new. And you might've said, you know, in two years, that guy's going to be, you know, <laughs> my next whatever, but you didn't say that to him. Or you, you didn't hear that. When people get their notice and they're like, I'm going, they got, and they're like, you were in line for a promotion. You're like, yeah. well, you never told me that, right? Yeah. In fact, I just read as uh, um, Axios, I think, <coughs> a, 
a uh, recruiting software. And they did a study that um, said that most people, or not most people, but a large majority of people leave a company within one month of their promotion, precisely for what you said, that they didn't know they were getting the promotion. So they took it because they're like, oh, okay, but I already had these failures out. And then now that I have that title, I can actually leverage that somewhere wow. else. So one of my soapboxes is you really need career paths. There's, yeah. there's a lot of ancillary Great. things you have to do to make the succession planning a whole lot easier, or the succession process a whole lot easier. And one is starting with career paths. So I work with construction industry firms, civil construction industry firms. So for my industry, for their industry, I've noticed that they have a lot of turn at two years and five years. But if you can get somebody over five years, they'll stay the rest of their lives. <laughs> so we have to get them over the five years. So if you recruit somebody, but it's hard to recruit as well because there's not a lot of talent. So it's very right. limited. It's very competitive. But if you show up a career fair with a piece of paper that says, here's where you're going to be in two years, three years, we're going to give you this lateral experience, we're going to let you coach other people, we're going to give a mentor at this point, we're going to send you out to this conference by, you know, year seven, people are like, cool, they have a plan for me, I know what my vision is for my job here, and now I'm just going to work to achieve it. And that's really going to work for Gen Z, because Gen Z loves to learn and achieve things, whereas we said of the millennials, well, they just want a promotion without doing the work. Gen Z is happy to do the work. You just have to tell them what to do. And I'm assuming there are kind of um, financial gains, raises and things like that right. associated with all this. Right. <coughs> so what I do, which is very different, and this is because of my learning and development background, is not only do I want you to have a career path that says two years, five years, seven years, this is where you'll be in terms of like a job title, but I layer it with a learning path. And so for you to achieve those job titles, you have to do these learning activities, whatever right. those be. And that's what I help clients do. I help them customize that learning the professional development path so that you do have a well-rounded leader at the end. Because one of the things that we've done in training and development poorly for 40 years and this is an aha moment I had when I switched over to doing succession planning, we have created so many specialists in training and development and nobody who's a generalist anymore because right. all we did was train people in silos. So if you entered a company in finance and you were lucky enough to get continuing development, we still kept you not only in finance topics, but with finance people. We never brought the HR and the operations and the research people to a finance class. We just give the finance people finance classes. So there's literally, especially in small companies, nobody knows how to run the company. And that's very concerning for me. Yeah, it's it's goofy. I, uh, it's, I mean, on, on a much smaller scale, like I had a, um, uh, a client years ago that did like fire and life safety. And they are having a hard time finding technicians. And, and I said to them, and this is like, a small, small chunk of what you do, right? It's, it's, but I just said like this, you can really help yourself by going to schools, recruiting from technical schools, bringing people on as tech one, and then giving them, you know, in your first six to 12 months, you need to get signed off on these things. Right. And with that, you'll get an X amount of an increase and you'll go to a tech two. And yep. then after 12 months of being tech two, you need to sign off on these things. Then you get an increase, you go to tech three. Yep. Then after a year you sign off, then you go to a full tech, right? And then she's like, yeah, but how, how do we do that? And I said, here's, here's the secret. You go to your best techs and say, I'm gonna pay you so many dollars more an hour than all these other people. And you're gonna be called a training tech. 
And every time you graduate a tech, every time they sign off on and they move from tech one to tech two, you're going to get a $500 bonus. I love that. And they I'm were like, that. I'm like, that's great. Fabulous. Yeah. Like make the training tech the ideal job. Yes. Yes. Well, so I wrote it similarly. I wrote an article a few years ago that was, um, why do we, why do we aspire to be managers? We ought to be, we ought to aspire to be mentors. Like, why do we say, oh, you've achieved the this title. And so now you leave the company. I want you to achieve that title. And then your next job is mentor for three years before we let you leave the company. Yeah, that's, uh, um, I remember aspiring to something that you, you don't, you know, I remember I worked in restaurants years ago, my first career, and I was with this company. I wanted to like be a regional manager. And then I looked at the regional managers they had and I came home. I wasn't even married at the time, I don't think. And I came home to my net, my now wife and said, I don't want to work with these people. I, I need to find a new job. Like if I get promoted, I'm going to hate my life. Right. Yeah. So and kind of understanding where you want to go and what you want to do. And um, this, the, the conversation has taken a turn, but it's been great because I think breaking it down into, but even how you can create um, succession planning at all levels of your business, right? <clears throat> if you have a machine shop and you have CNCs or whatever it is, you, you need to have people that are understanding how to work that machinery. Yes. Um, whatever level of your business, you need to have people that you're, the business owner doesn't have to be developing them, but they have to be working with the leaders of those departments to have a plan in place. And once a plan's in place, it's just kind of going through and checking the boxes, following up on it, making sure it gets done. Right. And I say to folks all the time, you know, the career planning part and the learning planning part, it's very tedious. It takes a long time, but once it's done, you're done. <laughs> Then you're just following the plan. And if they're making so much money and they have a successful business, I could bring someone like you in to help 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 you to help them get that organized. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that is what I do for clients. Yes. So if they did want to do that, Annette, how would they get in touch with you? Clever. <laughs> I would say the best way is on LinkedIn because I'm the only Nanette miner there. So <laughs> there's no reason you can't find me on LinkedIn. And Very I'm on there, I'm on there every day. So and your website is trainingdr.com is training doctor. There it is. Matt's all over it. And this has been a great conversation. Thank I've you. really enjoyed it. I think it was super valuable and I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today and all the business owners out there. And hopefully they, they, they got some value out of it because it is, I mean, if you've given blood, sweat and tears into your business, but then if something were to go wrong and you're unable to show up, it would be a shame to see that kind of the success go away or something happened to that business. Right. So you got to put the people in the business that can kind of you keep the doors open. Um, one of the common laments I hear from small business owners is there's no one in this company who could take over for me. And I'm like, well, that's on you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who else was going to get them prepared? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, I don't think it's like, it's it's a me 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 thing i think it's just they they've gone a million miles an hour building right. a business and they've accumulated all this knowledge yeah. and they've just never had the time to sit down and, and get it out and share it and disperse it with people you yeah. know uh, i don't think it's a malicious thing i think it's just uh oh, no 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 i get it too and honestly i've been in business for 32 years just this past summer i said to myself 
I preach on succession planning. I don't have a succession plan. So now I'm working on my own because I expect to work another 10 years. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I got 10 years to get this, to get this to a point where I can sell this business. But I had not thought of it before this past year. I get it. Yeah. Sometimes we just don't take our own advice, huh? <laughs> Always, right? <laughs> Matt, thanks so much. It's, it's been awesome. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Corey. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe or follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes as they're released. Discover how key hires support small business owners with talent planning and acquisition by exploring our YouTube channel or LinkedIn page. For comprehensive information, visit our website at www.keyhire.solutions, where you can also sign up for a complimentary consultation to discuss any talent, experience, or capacity problems that keep you awake at night. Until next time, stop grinding and start growing.